You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. T-Mobile describes what it intends to do for those who may have been affected by its big data breach. The Taliban is taking care not to get banned from social media. Apple defends its CSAM measures against a technical objection, but advocacy groups see a slippery policy slope. The U.S. FDA warns of vulnerabilities in an OS used by medical devices. A report on a 2020 incident at the U.S. Census Bureau. David DeFore shares a few surprises from WebRoot's 2021 threat report. Our guest is Brandon Hoffman from Intel 471 on cyber criminals creating turbulence for the transportation industry. And a Bitcoin tumbler cops a guilty plea. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 19th, 2021. T-Mobile has responded to the breach it confirmed two days ago with a range of customer protection and reassurance measures. The most serious risks appear to be, as Wired reports, identity theft and SIM swapping. As Wired summarizes, quote, T-Mobile says that of the people whose data was compromised, more than 40 million are former or prospective customers who had applied for credit with the carrier, end quote which is to say they're not presently customers at all. An obvious question is why the mobile carrier maintained the data in the first place. What use did it have for prospective customers' social security numbers and driver's license information, for example? Wired adds, quote, Another 7.8 million are current postpaid customers, which just means T-Mobile customers who get billed at the end of each month. Those roughly 48 million users had their full names, dates of birth, social security numbers, and driver's license information stolen. An additional 850,000 prepaid customers who fund their accounts in advance had their names, phone numbers, and PINs exposed. So, the current tally of individuals affected is somewhere above 48 million. While that's a lot by any reckoning— It's far short of the hundred million victims the crooks who offered the data in an underworld market claimed. It's not clear how the attackers gained access to the data in the first place. T-Mobile was alerted to the problem by the hackers woofing on the dark web. 
To its customers, the telco is offering two years of McAfee ID protection, as well as access to T-Mobile's own scam shield and account takeover protection. The company advises customers to change pins and passwords, even though it says these don't appear to have been compromised, and that they consider putting a freeze on their credit if they think they're likely to be the victims of credit fraud. The Washington Post shrugs that the general public has entered a period of learned helplessness with respect to big data breaches, and that no doubt the T-Mobile affair will be largely forgotten within a week or so. It lists five major data breaches that have, it thinks, done their bit to inure people to the problem. J.P. Morgan in 2014, which had 83 million victims. Adult Friend Finder in 2016, with 400 million victims. Yahoo in 2013, but disclosed in 2017, with 3 billion victims. Marriott in 2018 at 500 million victims, and Facebook in 2021 at 533 million victims. Against this background, having your credit card stolen is an inconvenience. Not good, but we get over it. 50 million people's PII exposed? That's not even an inconvenience. It's a statistic. As social media platforms consider how to respond to the Taliban conquest of Afghanistan— The Washington Post says that the Taliban itself seems to be punctiliously towing the line drawn by those platforms' terms and conditions. We'll have more discussion of the topic in this week's pro-disinformation briefing, out later this afternoon. Apple defends its proposed child sexual abuse material detection technology, telling Vice that the version it will deploy isn't susceptible to the hash collision vulnerabilities researchers claim to have demonstrated— The proposed system would, under certain circumstances, scan for CSAM images flagged by a small set of international child protection clearinghouses, but critics remain unmollified. Reuters reports that various privacy and rights advocacy groups, the Center for Democracy and Technology among them, fear the technology could not only subvert end-to-end encryption, but could be readily adapted to screening for other content— and that there are insufficient protections against abuse by repressive governments. If, the critics ask, Apple moves against scanning for CSAM images in iCloud and messaging services, this puts them on the slippery slope to backdooring their systems under governmental pressure and of putting larger censorship programs in place. The objections raised by the Center for Democracy and Technology aren't confined to adult civil liberties— The CDT is to some extent speaking in loco parentis, seeing as it does a large issue in LGBTQ plus children having their identities exposed to parents who may prove unsympathetic and giving that issue particular prominence in its post on the matter. The letter explains, after remarking on the unreliability of the algorithms used to identify CSAM content, quote, Though these capabilities are intended to protect children and to reduce the spread of child sexual abuse material, we are concerned that they will be used to censor protected speech, threaten the privacy and security of people around the world, and have disastrous consequences for many children. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration has warned that medical devices running some versions of BlackBerry's QNX real-time operating system may be vulnerable to certain cyber attacks. The FDA says it has no evidence of exploitation in the wild, but that it's advising vendors and developers to use appropriate caution. 
The U.S. Commerce Department's Inspector General has released a report that concluded the Bureau of the Census mishandled a January 2020 incursion into its servers. Quote, Specifically, the Bureau missed opportunities to mitigate a critical vulnerability, which resulted in the exploitation of vital servers. Once the servers had been exploited, the Bureau did not discover and report the incident in a timely manner. Additionally, the Bureau did not maintain sufficient system logs, which hindered the incident investigation. Following the incident, the Bureau did not conduct a lessons-learned session to identify improvement opportunities. We also found that the Bureau was operating servers that were no longer supported by the vendor. End quote. The name of the vendor is redacted in the published reports, but the record thinks the internal evidence points to Citrix servers used to give employees remote access to Bureau resources. The damage appears to have been limited. As the report puts it, quote, the exploit was partially successful in that the attacker modified user account data on the systems to prepare for remote code execution. However, the attacker's attempts to maintain access to the systems by creating a backdoor into the affected servers were unsuccessful, end quote. And there seems to have been no corruption of 2020 census data. And finally, a Bitcoin mixer who shuffled funds for contraband traders through a double-blind system to help them remain difficult to track has taken a guilty plea in a U.S. federal court. The Washington Post reports that Larry Harmon, 38 years old and a resident of the state of Ohio, yesterday admitted to a D.C. court that between 2014 and 2017, he operated a service called Helix that tumbled hundreds of millions in Bitcoin. Mr. Harmon acknowledged that he sought the business of drug traffickers and others who sought to evade law enforcement and says he now intends to cooperate with federal investigators looking into other money laundering operations. Mr. Harmon arrived at his plea after the court rejected his earlier defense that he couldn't be guilty of money laundering because Bitcoin wasn't really money. But Chief U.S. District Judge Beryl A. Howell was having none of it, ruling, quote, Money commonly means a medium of exchange, method of payment, or store of value. Bitcoin is these things. A sentencing date has yet to be set. The feds want to see how cooperative Mr. Harmon will be before they pencil him in on the calendar. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. 
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Brandon Hoffman is Chief Information Security Officer at Intel 471, and he and his team recently took a closer look at threats targeting the transportation industries. I checked in with him for the specifics. When we talk about transportation, um, there's kind of commercial transportation, which is, you know, airlines and uh, kind of hotel companies and stuff. Then there's transportation companies that are more kind of almost considered critical infrastructure in the sense that more like the trucking industry or the shipping industry and things like that. In this case, we were talking mostly around commercial transportation and, you know, they have a lot of the same problems that that other companies do. They are dependent on a significant supply chain. Uh, they have lots of footprint uh, on the internet. They have places where customers can log in. They have places where their employees log in that are exposed to the internet. So there is a large attack surface available uh, for the transportation uh, industry at large. And so what were some of the specific things that you all were looking at here? Yeah, so specifically here, we were looking at uh, kind of a, a surge in traditional initial access, so access to their networks, uh, so people selling access to these networks, or, of course, compromised credentials. Compromised credentials are, are have, have always been, but are now even becoming potentially the number one initial access vector that we're seeing, uh, abusing uh, transportation systems for cashing out other activity or even kind of the basis for monetization through kind of gift cards. And of course, uh, nobody is safe from this these days is ransomware. Yeah. Can we dig into to some of the, the stuff you found with gift cards? I, I think that's a, an interesting aspect that a lot of people don't always consider. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, cashing out through gift cards, specifically before cryptocurrency was around, you know, moving a, a lot of money around, of course, is, is difficult in, in traditional fiat currency systems. And so gift cards is one of these kind of gray areas where you can buy gift cards. Nobody's tracking where the money comes from. You can use a gift card and, you know, largely the organization whose gift card it's for, uh, they're not checking um, you know, if, if you're authorized to use that gift card because, you know, to a degree they want it off the books. It's, it's money out there that they have to account for day over day, year over year. They want it spent because it's, you know, they want to account for that money spent. And so cyber criminals have long used that to, of course, launder some money, but also in this case, specifically stealing points, rewards, miles, uh, turning them into gift cards because, when you think about the initial access vector, something like compromised credentials, if you get compromised credentials that work on an account that has, you know, a bulk of, of airline miles or hotel points, the easiest thing to do would be to convert that into a gift card, take that gift card and then sell it to somebody else. And you might think to yourself, well, they can track all that. But, you know, there's not a lot of infrastructure that's been designated to tracking that type of fraud 
as compared to traditional you know, financial fraud. They can't account for it because it hasn't really been spent yet. It hasn't been used to, for a service or a good. And so they want it to be used, but they don't want their customers to be defrauded, but they're not losing money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. somebody's spending that money anyway. So if I steal a gift card from you, Dave, right? And, and, and let's say you had a $100 gift card for an airline and I steal it from you, and I sell it for $50 and somebody uses the gift card, well, the airline's still getting their $100 worth, right? Yeah. So what are the take-homes here? I mean, for for folks who are in the transportation industry, are are there any things that you suppose they should be doing that isn't getting the proper attention it deserves? But largely, the takeaway is not all that different from other conversations we've had around, you know, cyber hygiene. No industry is immune to the cyber attacks, whether it's initial access and data exfiltration, whether it's some type of fraud, um, and whether it's ransomware. I mean, uh, everybody's who has an internet-connected business is is at risk for these things, uh, these attacks. And you know, you should do everything you can to take care and at least do the basics from a cybersecurity standpoint to make sure that at least the simplest of attacks go go checked. Right? Yeah. Yeah, don't don't be the low-hanging fruit, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it. That's Brandon Hoffman from Intel 471. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by David DeFore. He's the Vice President of Engineering and Cybersecurity at WebRoot. Dave, it's always great to have you back. Um, You all recently published your 2021 WebRoot Threat Report. Can you take us through some of the highlights here? What did you all find uh, in this round of your report? Hey, David. Great to be back, as always. Um, Yeah, so first of all, where's WebRoot get its data? We, We have 285 million endpoints and sensors out there through our, our solutions that we sell. So we, we have a lot of a, a very large footprint where we're gathering this information. And we have a we have a strong team who collates it, looks at it, and then gives us this information. I personally am not analyzing the data from all 285 million machines. I think my <laughs> upper limit is around 200 million machines. I, I wasn't able to handle it after that. I see. Well, you're only one man. Exactly. No, seriously, there's a massive team that spends lots of time on this. So my, my hat off to them. Um, but some interesting stuff, like, and it's kind of fun to, to look at this. Uh, typically, we talk about healthcare or, or social media um, being the top of the top of the scale and, and, and everybody better watch out. But it actually fell this time significantly year over year, a 41% decrease in those areas being attacked. 
Yeah, and I, I think some of that has to do with a year ago, we had all just got home and and that we had COVID and everybody was online. And I think that's really where the attackers focused their efforts. Because um, as we've talked many times, the nefarious actors really are um, savvy about what's popular right now. But what we're seeing is a huge, huge push, and this will not surprise anyone, into oil, gas, industrial. And I think a lot of that's stemming from, you know, for the last five to 10 years, we've talked about um, the crossover uh, with IoT solutions and and getting your operational infrastructure plugged into your back office infrastructure and and what's going to happen there. And I think we're really seeing the cyber criminals take advantage of that because they realized I could, you know, lock up Dave Bittner's um, selfies and no one's going to pay anything for that. (laughs) <laughs> or I could lock up a more um, uh, oil and gas company, and 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 I'm going to get you know millions and millions of dollars. So there's a big shift we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, is it that that they're they're becoming much more, or they have become much more deliberate in who they're hitting? That they're they're focusing their energy on these high value targets. Well, I, I would say yes and no. I think they still are opportunistically attacking everywhere and seeing what sticks. But then they've gotten much, much better at saying, you know, that's Dave Dufour, or that's Dave Bittner, or saying that's an oil and gas company, let's go for them. And, and so they're, they, I would say they're still opportunistic. They're not like saying, I'm going to go, uh, you know, attack this company or attack that company. At least that's not what I'm seeing. They're, they're taking advantage of, of, of very common popular exploits, but they've really refined who they're going to go get the ransom from. Uh, any other uh, things stood out for you in this year's report? I, it's kind of interesting. The, the the top brands are moving around about who's getting getting hacked and, and who people are impersonating. And and I think it's it's kind of like you and I still wear all our old 80s clothes because we think they look cool. But mm. but some some big names are coming back, like eBay topped the list of not brands that were hacked, but what are being targeted and how they're impersonating. So that tells me people are using eBay more than I realize. Um in 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 so we're seeing a shift in, you know, hey, maybe it's not the the common ones you know today. Maybe it's the little bit older school that people are going to impersonate and try to get in that way. Yeah, those threat actors are are certainly nimble, if nothing else. They're very good at what they do. I, I and I'm not. I begrudgingly have to tip my hat to them. They they're very good, very savvy, and they continue to 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 become more and more sophisticated. So it is a challenge to protect against them. Yeah. Well, it's WebRoot's 2021 Threat Report. David DeFore, thanks for joining us. Great being here, David. And that's The CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Balecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.